0: This is Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. And it it's Monday, August 23rd. And we want to talk about mainly, and we'll take obviously questions in segment two, but talk about mainly what we witnessed on Thursday. Tim and I talked about an in instant analysis and wrote about it. Pete will be interested to get your comments on it. But I thought Jack Cohn uh, was good, was accurate, was taking advantage of the weapons that he has on the outside. But all in all, the defensive front, one against the offensive front, and that, from what I understand, has been been more often than not during the last two plus weeks.
1: I thought Jack Cohn looked like a high level f b s starting quarterback um you know, and I'm not sure that we saw that with our own eyes a week earlier in the open practice um so it was good to sort of see some visual evidence of that um that was that was i think the biggest positive takeaway in terms of the impact it will have on the season. Uh, you know, the number of guys that can play in the defensive front seven is just, I think more of a strength than I thought it would be. Um, and I think for the second time in two open practices, which is all we're gonna see, you saw Kevin Austin or Braden Lindsey look good, like they're, you know, their name has two quality receivers uh, to work with. Um, you know, we'll see if other ones come on, but, um, I, I came away, uh, incur- like for how much the defense dominated the last part of the scrimmage. And I think that there may be some reasons for that, um, beyond just like talent being better on defense and offense. But, um, I came away encouraged with what Notre Dame could be offensively. Um, and I, for the 12 games this season, I, I think the offense has a chance to be creative, um, you know, could be dynamic in some spots and I think it will really let um you know offense coordinator Tommy Reese flex a little bit in terms of what he wants Notre Dame's offense to be.
2: I think to be fair to Cone um we did not see that prior to that open practice but our other open practice didn't feature Cone much, right? right. He, did, he almost had no chance. He took a three and out scrimmage and Drew Pine was the quote unquote starter that day. So had to see it from Cone and I and I, I agree with you we did. Um, I was glad that you're making a list of guys you had to see it from. We finally saw it from Houston Griffith too. I know Tim, that was a that was a big pop by Griffith, as you mentioned. That's his job on that play to come up and hit the running back, but he came up and stuck the running back, and it was Kyron Williams. So that was it was he is I have never seen him. I have never said physical when he's made a play, and that was a very physical play by Griffith. So, couple things you wanted to see, you saw that day.
0: I would agree about Griffith. I mean, it was set up for a big hit and he delivered it, but it's, it's good to see. And that's promising. And we keep hearing positive things about him. The point that you wanted to emphasize after, um, after the practice Thursday, Tim was about the defensive front depth and Pete just mentioned it. I mean, there is no doubt about that. There is no doubt about that. And particularly the depth right up the middle, the two inside linebackers and the interior defensive line. And we'll talk about some of the things, some of the potential issues at defensive end, but I don't think that that's as problematic when you see all the things that Marcus Freeman wants to do defensively and it just creates havoc and it's creating havoc for the Notre Dame offensive front, which is particularly uh, young right now. And it's going to create havoc for a lot of opponents as well. I mean, the offense is practicing against that defense on a regular basis and had a little bit trouble with Little bit of trouble with that pressure. Imagine an opponent coming into a game dealing with that pressure and seeing it for the first time live. I think that's really promising. If the offensive line was, I mean, I guess it would be a positive if the O line was doing really well against the, the D line, you'd say, okay, that's coming together. But then you'd wonder about the defensive front. Anytime you have a scrimmage, somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose. But I think when you add it all up, that's the way you expect it to be. And I go ahead, Tim.
2: I think it's important to note also in the scrimmages that we talk about their depth so much on defense. They can rotate those guys in. And so while Notre Dame is rotating some offensive guys in, it's not as effective as rotating the defensive guys in. And they don't have to rotate all those guys in when they play Florida State and Purdue and Wisconsin in in situations like that. Like Defensively, they're just going to go ahead and rotate those guys in and they're going to keep making plays. I think offensively, you can pull it back a little bit and say, well, third and two, let's give it to Kyron as opposed to, all right, let's get Logan Diggs in. You know, that that's
0: a little different. Yeah, no, it's a, it's they're coming from completely two yeah. different angles on this. There's no doubt about that. But, I mean, you know, I think everybody was impressed with Riley Mills. The Adam Alola twins were very good. Kevin Bauman stood out. Um, you know, I, I I think that those guys are, are looking really good. I don't know how much Bauman has done that up to this point, but uh, in the red zone, he was really productive. And then you see the things that Colsey does, and you know what Mayer's capable of. I would agree, Pete. I mean, I think, I think there is a lot that that Tommy Reese can dial up uh, all offenses are inconsistent at various points. So that will crop up, especially with a younger offensive line. It just takes one blown assignment on the O line to put you in, you know, second and 14 or third and 17. Uh, yeah. So, and
1: you know, I, I asked around after the practice, cause like, yeah, the offensive line did not look good. Um, so I wanted to know if that was more aberration or this is like how it looks every day and was informed that, no, the offensive line has done quite a quite a bunch of good stuff uh, in August. And in particular that Lake Fisher, Zeke Carrell, um, and Michael Carmody have all had very, very good camps. Um, so with that in mind, I think that you can come away a little bit more I think encouraged about where the offense is going um, because if you don't have a line, it's hard to make Kevin Austin and Braden look good. If you do, then, then you got a chance. And I think that Notre Dame, Notre Dame's I think own staff feels more comfortable with its offensive line than maybe the fan base does. I,
0: I, I agree. And I, what what I have heard is that the defensive front has won a majority of the time, but not an overwhelming majority of the time. And I think that's, again, that's the kind of balance that you want to hear when you consider the veteran nature of that defensive front and the combinations that they're just trying to string together with, yeah. with the offensive line. Uh, Tim, you were especially impressed with, I mean, I've loved Riley Mills from day one. I, I've, I don't know if I've said on a podcast I may have, I know I've said it at a couple speaking engagements, I think Riley Mills is, cut from the same cloth of the all-American interior defensive lineman that Joe Yanto spit out, you know, in the seventies and eighties, he's massive. He's strong. He arrived very strong. Uh, He's added uh, some good weight, I think. And he's, you know, and I I feel like every time I say that I'm kind of under it, I am underestimating Jason Adamiola and he's a playmaker too. That is a a hell of a one, two combination at that position.
2: Um, I thought the another good thing about Mills was he kind of started making plays on the field in games last year. Like it wasn't as, you know, when people say, was he a breakout freshman? Well, he's not a breakout freshman, No, but as like, the season like, went
0: on, he got, he, he made was. more and more he, plays. You
2: all of a sudden thought to yourself when he was rotating in, it wasn't like, oh good. I'm glad Mills is getting some time. It was like, Mills is in, he's going to make a play here. And and he looks better now. He looks I think he, he looks a little more athletic now, and I bet he just grew into his body a little bit better. Does that make sense? I know he's a great athlete. Pete, you went and saw him work out. Um, but he still looked like he was a freshman moving last year. He does not, does not look like a freshman move. He looks like he knows how to play football with that body in there. And he's not even the starter because Jason Ademiela makes plenty of plays. But starter, not starter, doesn't really matter um, it doesn't. on that defensive line at all. People are going to way overvalue that this season.
1: That was like, when I saw Mills work out, I think the thing that impressed me most, one, he's just massive. That's the thing. You cannot get away from that. But just how flexible he is and how he bends. Um, And I know when they recruited him, they sort of pitched Jerry Tillery. Um, And, you know, so you remember Jerry Tillery, that guy, for how big he was, was incredibly flexible. Uh, And I think Mills Mills looks more jacked up than Tillery ever did but I think has some of the same flexibility where he's able to get in tight spaces I mean he he made kane Madden look pretty bad on Thursday um and that that's not easy to do so it's um you know if he's your I don't know if you would call him the fifth of defensive lineman after the four starters of the sixth or whatever but man that is a that is a really talented number two uh
0: yeah. Off and, yeah and Tim to your point about you know, maybe being better physically now, they didn't have a, I mean, they had the most abnormal oh, of off seasons well, last yeah. summer as you possibly could. And we forget about so, that. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we do forget about that now. And, but, but now they had a, a full summer and, and Pete, you've, you like before he even came to Notre Dame, you saw him in person and how he worked out and, how jacked up he is! He's great. He has a chance to be a really great football player. He's he a lot of has fun. the
2: Timmy also has the motor of an angry senior year Jerry Tillery when he wanted to go pro.
0: Right? As yeah, no. To the, yeah, I agree. His motor his is, out. is, is <laughs> outstanding. We've talked a lot about Isaiah Foskey. Um, you know the 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 pec injury. We don't know exactly how much that is impacting him. I it, it, as far as I know, Pete, you can validate this. That injury occurred during the summer. It didn't. It That's, wasn't. It wasn't play in the spring and we thought that he had from what we saw from what we saw we thought that he had a pretty average spring so um I mean there's just work to be done there I I think that Marcus Freeman can work around that there's a question in the second segment yeah I'm going to save the commentary on to talk about that a little bit but uh, I you know I still think Isaiah Foskey can do a lot of good things we've just seen glimpses uh there may be people sitting back saying man you people are missing a boat because Foskey's really doing great things on the practice field we haven't seen it and I haven't heard it either. So, you know, we'll see, but that's where Justin Adamiola comes in. That's where the development of Nana Osafo-Mensa uh, behind MTA on the left side will come into play. Um, you know, they're not as well established there just like they're not as well established a cornerback, but I was doing an event over the weekend. I've done a couple of them. This notion that, you know, you're going to go into the season with answers at every position. Who, who, who had, nobody had. Alabama doesn't have that. The first month of the season last year, they were up in arms about the way their defense was playing. So you don't have answers. You're never going to have answers everywhere, especially Notre Dame losing the players that they lost. Uh, but I think having Marcus Freeman as the defensive coordinator is going to help plug some of those holes just by the nature of his scheme. Uh, we're going to jump into segment two here real quickly, but I want to, I, I did an interview with Rocky Boyman the other day, the former uh, Notre Dame outside linebacker NFL player, and he made a comment and this is something that we've talked about before. Pete, I think you've emphasized it, but he made it emphasized it, but he made the comment about, um, you know, when it comes to quarterback recruiting, why doesn't Notre Dame get a Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence or Spencer Rattler on a more consistent basis? Uh, they don't necessarily have to be as good as all three of those guys. Those guys are, are, are elite, of course, but I thought it was a good point, And it's something that we've talked about before that Notre Dame should be, if you're going, I mean, why shouldn't Notre Dame get a, a quarterback of, of that standing and maybe Dante Moore ends up being the next one of those guys.
1: I I mean, it's a great question. I don't, I don't have a good answer for you on that one. Cause it's like after offensive line and tight end, to me, quarterback recruiting should be the most right. naturally inclined to go Notre Dame's way. And I was, you know, I was reading a story on Ohio state's quarterback competition today. You know, they're going to, they're starting a five-star. Um, they have two five-stars on the bench and a four-star on the bench. Like all, of, like every, all four Ohio state quarterbacks, I believe are, would be rated higher than Tyrell Buckner. Um, like, that I don't know. That that does not make a lot of sense to me. Like Notre Dame should, I think, have more raw material coming in than what they do. And like, you know, all due respect to Brendan Clark and and Drew Pine. Um, you know, you Grad Transfer, Jack Cohn, you know, Steve Angelli coming and Buckner's here. Like that to me is not um certainly not an overwhelming. I mean, it's like how it wasn't that long ago. You had Clausen and Crist here at the same time. Um you know, Brady Quinn played here. Uh, You know, Deshaun Kaiser was, while he was a surprise in terms of how he developed, he was still a four-star recruit. You know, I know Gunnar Keel washed out here, but the more guys you get at that level, the more likely you're going to have the guy who wins the job be Malik Zaire to start or Deshaun Kaiser to fill in and then turn into an NFL pick
2: remember they had, if you want, just want to kind of, you listed the quarterbacks they have now. And and I was thinking, you know, in fairness, they had two top, top level, maybe not elite, but two top level quarterbacks in four cycles in Dracovic and Buckner, with mm-hmm. the two middle ones kind of missing out We you know, Clark and Pine, one of them, Hey, you can always become Ian book, but most of the guys don't become Ian book. Right. They right. usually just remain as they were recruited. You make a good point about a guy like Zaire and Kaiser, because if you think about it in the, in 2014 spring, the worst quarterback out there in terms of his high school ranking was Golson, And you had Golson, Zaire, Kaiser, and Wimbush was coming in in the yeah, next year. I mean that and Wimbush was highly rated. So if you, now they don't, they don't all hit, right? But one of them did. It's
1: fine if they don't.
2: And when, and when one of them hit, then you have a really good quarterback that you're in 2015. So Obviously if Tyler Buckner has a three-year starting career and he's outstanding, this point is moot. But if right. Tyler Buckner gets hurt, then you are left with guys that aren't anywhere near as good as Ohio States and Alabama's quarterbacks coming
0: in. And I was at the uh, Nardin club of Los Angeles this weekend and, and uh former Nardin quarterback, Steve Berline, I made a similar comment. I brought up Boyman's comments and, and Berline said, um, uh, well, they had, they had Brandon Wimbush and Phil Jerkovic. And you mentioned Jerkovic, yep. Tim, um, yeah. And they, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, with Jerkovic, that was a poor job of development and certainly a poor job of communication with yes, the kid. Yeah. And with Wimbush, I don't know that Wimbush uh, was ever going to be accurate and see things the way you want a quarterback to, to see them. And yet, you know, you had one season of productivity out of him, and then that was, that was it with him. So, and then I was also with Malik Zaire and he brought up, you know, quarterback development with those guys. And, and, and that's true. I don't know if he was referring to his own development necessarily, but um, so they, and, and you have Tyler Butner now, now you look at Tyler Butner, he's six, two, six, one and a half. I mean, I think what, I think what they've seen of Tyler Butner up to this point is not quite as much as what they expected. Now it's early in his development. He's yeah, a really smart early. kid. He's very savvy. And I think he will develop, but I think if you ask anybody up to this point, what you've seen from Tyler Butner since he came in in the spring, I don't think it is as uh, promising as originally thought. Would would you agree with that Pete? Mm, I
1: don't know if I would. I mean, it hasn't been like a light switch on all the time. Certainly. Um, I think, when he showed up in January, February, March, they're like, eh, okay.
0: That was definitely true. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But as spring went on, they were very pleased with how it was going. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think as fall camp has gone on, they've continued to be pleased with how it's going, which is different than saying, holy cow, we've got the next Trevor Lawrence on our hands. He's going to be starting sometime in September. Yeah. Um, and that's... That's fine. I mean, the, the reason they brought Jack Cohn in is sort of this bridge-ier quarterback um, to get to Buckner a year from now. So we will... I think there's, there's enough encouraging, promising signs to believe it will happen. But that's different than knowing 100% this guy is a lock, uh,
0: absolutely. Segment two coming up, burning up the boards. Thank you for
1: listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.
0: Burning up the boards is segment two of Irish Illustrated insider. We're going to go against the grain here a little bit because Pete Sampson is going to have to depart in a little while. So we're going to ask him the last two questions on this list. And the first one, is from Irish Case 05 and that's what's the biggest question that has been answered for you this fall?
1: Mm. Jack Cohn, I think. Um, not that this was a huge question. Well, it's huge in terms of how important the answer is, but not huge in terms of like the uncertainty about it. But in your mind,
2: in your mind, yeah. yeah I just crazy.
1: thought he looked good so good on Thursday. I'm not saying like all America good, but like. This is what a major college football starting quarterback looks like. He just parachuted in here for a year and then he'll be gone. Like there's a lot to get done in a short amount of time. I know talking to Tommy Reese, he's very, very high on his diagnostic ability and the amount of offense they can carry this fall. Um, and I thought Cohn looked good. So that's, that's my biggest question that I got answered in the affirmative.
0: All right. And then the last question is from Chad Flanagan, based on what you have seen thus far, is nine wins more likely during the regular season or 11?
1: Mm. Like question, every right? camp I do this, like devious,
0: yeah. devious question, not to include yeah, At the That's beginning
1: of it. camp. It's nine. And then at the end of camp, you're like, amazing. It's 11. Um, so I'm going to feel like I'm going to get sucked into this again and say 11. Um, I, I mean, in part because I think Notre Dame is going to be very hard to run the ball on um, with their front seven. I know they play some really good quarterbacks, so teams might not even try to run it. Um, and if Irish So 5 asked another question, what's the biggest question that hasn't been answered? It's cornerback play. I just don't know how good Notre Dame is there. So I'll go 11, but like with a low, low confidence over nine.
0: Okay. Now the three of us jumping back to the top of our list here, we'll start with Beachside Stout. Who gets more snaps in the opener against Florida State, we got a couple here. I'll do them one at a time. Shane Simon or JD Bertrand.
1: Bertrand.
0: Bertrand. I agree. George Tackus at tight end or Kevin Bauman. Tackus. Yeah, I would agree. I think you know Bauman may find a niche, but right yeah. now Tackus is definitely number two. Lawrence Keyes the third or Lorenzo Styles, which I'm now told he's Lorenzo Styles. He's not Lorenzo Styles Jr. His his. Father and him have a different middle name, so we are until we hear otherwise from that. We're going to just call him Lorenzo Styles now. But anyway, Keys or Styles? Keys.
1: Lawrence Keys, the healthy, third, right? Like, but like Keys yeah. is Keys is the guy over the over the Styles Watts combo,
0: right? If if healthy, now we don't know where exactly he is because he didn't practice on Thursday because of a shin injury. Oh, and I, I actually I should have thrown in it was Lawrence Keys or Styles slash Xavier Watts, and he's been banged up too. Keys. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, as long as Keys is healthy and gets plenty of preseason snaps, he'll be the guy. And then also, um, you know, who gets more snaps, a second tight end or a second running back? In other words, 12 personnel or 21.
1: Uh, I mean, if the question was who gets more snaps, Chris Tyree or George Takis, then it's Tyree. But if it's, are they in 12 personnel or 21 personnel more, I would say it's 12 personnel.
2: That's a good point. That's a good differentiator. Will they have two backs or two tight ends more often? Yeah. But to keep, But Tyree can spell um, Williams and there's not a whole lot of spelling of Michael Mayer coming up Ooh. in Tallahassee.
0: Yeah. You know, and I've been talking about 21 with the two backs and they're going to use that. But I don't think they're going to use as much as they do with, you know, Mayer and Tackus on the field together.
2: But I have changed from the beginning of camp, and I do believe that 12 will be far lessened with three wide receivers instead of two. I yeah. think they're going to start out in 12 against Florida State because it's safer and you allow the offensive line and Jack Cohen in the running game to get going. But as the season progresses, I like the receivers more than the number two tight end. If that's fair, that's fair. JJ L. what do you think Jack Svorbrick's and Notre Dame's stance is on the Big Ten Pac 12 ACC alliance? We know Notre Dame is devoted to independence what ramifications could be felt here regarding ACC ties and playing USC and Stanford.
0: Yeah. I've been, I haven't spoken with Jack Swarovkin. I've been trying to Pete. Have you had an opportunity to speak with him? I have
1: not. Uh, That's sort of on my to-do list. Yeah, I I don't know how, I mean, not sure how he would answer this on the record. um, Right. Nor do I know how he process it off the record. Um, But I just sort of view it as like the AC they're set with five ACC games USC and Stanford don't want to stop playing Notre Dame, nor does Notre Dame want to stop playing USC and Stanford. So I don't I don't feel like the Alliance is going to do anything negative as far as Notre Dame scheduling, because, again, Notre Dame like puts butts in your seats, you sell tickets, you make money. Um, the whole point of the Alliance is to make more money, assuming it happens at all, which I think reading on the Alliance has more to do with, like, voting and uh sort of governance of college football more than this isn't like going to turn into the big 10 atc's challenge in uh men's basketball
0: yeah i you know i mean in if Nordaims going to fall on one side or the other they're going to fall on the side that the, the acc is on and i mean i would imagine certainly they're a part of the discussion uh with the acc and the other two conferences because name is a business partner with the ACC I I just don't I, I don't have the specifics Jack Swarwick was away from his office for a couple of weeks and we haven't spoken to him yet so we'll learn more about that there's certainly time um, to gain that information and then as far as playing USC and Stanford I, I again I don't know I don't see why either side or I guess any of the three sides USC Stanford or Dame would um turn away from that nor right. likes finishing in california to to end the season and uh it and it works i think it works for all three sides so i i don't think that that part will be altered tdisu it sounds like the top two wide receivers are set with austin and Lindsay. who emerges who emerges from wilkins keys watts colsey and styles as high level contributors this year it seems after early buzz about keys we haven't heard much lately has he been passed up by a younger guy and to answer that part i mean he's been he's been injured he got he got kicked in the shin it was it was a serious being kicked in the shin because he couldn't he couldn't perform for a few days i think he was i think he tried to go on thursday but it just wasn't in the cards i would imagine that he was back in the flow um over the weekend
2: they had friday off so as long as lawrence keys got back into it over the weekend He's not fallen back from a quality spring, a quality offseason, and summer camp. Um, I assume Davis was just omitted um, in the question because Avery Davis is the most likely to be a major part yeah, of the Yeah, he's the yeah. slot.
0: I think the question was about the X and the. And
2: I would say w. from everything Tommy Reese says, that Joe Wilkins is better than we think he is at this point. And I just think Davis and Lindsey add enough of what keys can add. I feel like Joe Wilkins at the beginning of the year is going to be more involved than the other guys on this list. Is that fair to say? At least at I, oh, I agree with year. that. Yeah, I, agree. I,
0: I think out of the shoot, he gets the first crack at it. He had a tremendous summer. He can uh, play
2: slot too. You just got bigger. Like I know you're not as explosive, but he's played every position and Reese talked about it. He's played every single, he's yeah. repped at everything for years. And do you have to be as explosive in the slot if you have Austin and Lindsay outside you? You don't. You, just, you could yeah. be big and threaten the run then. It,
0: well, think about uh, well. And Think about this. Okay, you're on the 10-yard line, and you have <laughs> you have Mayor Austin and Colsey in the lineup. I mean, that, that, that's imposing.
2: I hope that's, Colsey's in the lineup at the 10-yard line because that is definitely his 10, 15-yard line is the niche he would carve this year. Because healthy Kevin Austin, healthy Joe Wilkins, right? There's not a lot of reps. Middle for of the field,
0: it's those guys, and yeah. and you know you're you still want Austin Mayer on the field, but I mean imagine putting that fourth big guy in there, and Austin's not six four, but he's been described he as you plays know like he's he strong. <laughs> no, he does, and he's yep. strong. Um, So <laughs> that's an option. Styles, I think is Styles is the guy that's going to. uh I don't, I don't know, split time, but I think he's the one that's going to rotate with Lindsay. And, but then again, like you said, I mean, as soon as you start talking about that, Reese will say, um, you know, they don't have to be married to right. the, you know, Positions. X, Z and, and W per se. So um, it'll be interesting to watch that. There's so many things to watch on game day, but it'll be very interesting to watch how that all evolves.
2: ND fan Quebec. How important is the play of Kevin Austin and the wide receivers to get the offense going?
0: Super important. Yeah, it's just—I mean, absolutely huge. There was more to the question. I—I I, it's an abridged version of the question from uh, NDF and uh, Quebec, but um, <laughs> I mean, significant. When you see him, when you see him on the field, what what we've seen of him—just a couple practices—you don't—you don't need to see a whole lot to understand that that's a unique player out there for them. This is a this is a potentially this is a really good wide receiver core, but that guy. Is just a you know is a cut above. Lindsey can be a cut above if he can stay healthy and use his strength, his his added strength, and of course his his speed. But Austin, just to the to the naked eye, uh, is a difference maker out there, and it, it takes you one rep to see it.
1: Yeah, at least he's uh, the equivalent of a running back who can make the first and second guy miss. Um, and that's but when you do that down the field. There's not a lot of guys hanging around <laughs> to make miss after that. So, there
0: aren't many people to make miss at that point.
1: That's, uh, that is exciting. If you're, uh, uh, you're Tommy Reese, if you're Jack Cohn, if you like watching
2: offense, I don't want to overstate Austin in this regard, but he is the best. His emergence to being what he can be is the best thing that happened to Michael Mayer. Michael Mayer not being doubled because of Kevin Austin is huge this year. You <laughs> cannot stop Michael Mayer if you're going to let Kevin Austin go one-on-one with your.
1: There was some on the we saw on Thursday where they had mayor and Austin on the same side of the field, which I think will be pretty common with like that yeah. receiver in the tight end. But like you sit there and just watch it and be like, how are you supposed to, how are you supposed to guard this? And then you have Lindsay potentially like running the length of the field on the other side. Like that's, it's, it's all those parts fitting together and playing yeah. off one another. It's exciting. It's not just like, one guy is really good. Right. Another guy is really good. When you put them all together, it's just like this force multiplier. And that's where I think Notre Dame's offense can, can potentially really take off.
0: I think that's kind of, you're kind of describing what Marcus Freeman has with his defensive front seven too. It's not just, yeah. it doesn't have to just be Foskey. It's the combination of everything and where he'll bring the pressures from. Tommy Reese was talking. I don't know if you guys were around there when he said this, Tim, you might've been, but um, you know, the dilemma that Mayer creates for defenses because if you if you put him out if you split him wide, he's too physical for a corner. If you pull up, put him in a slot um, you know it, it, with a linebacker, certainly he's too he's too mobile for him to defend. So it's a dilemma every time regardless where they line him up um, And you know I mean I, I just <laughs> I agree the sum of the parts is is really going to make them more dangerous individually.
2: I say this with all, uh, I say this as a, as a compliment, but I talked to Michael Mayer, and you know who knows there's a mismatch out there?
0: <laughs> the man himself. Michael
2: Mayer is well aware of the mismatch he presents. He is the most confident, for all good reasons, sophomore I have ever encountered.
0: Wow. That's and quite it's not, a There's
2: zero fake confidence in Michael Mayer. It is, <laughs> it is not, it's quite a thing.
0: A a question for you, Tim, at least uh, you usually know who's, who's ready to emerge on special teams from Elm city Domer. Who can we expect to see returning kicks versus Florida state? I think that's an obvious one, but who are the breakout special teams coverage members?
2: Certainly Bertrand um, will be huge on special teams this year. And I asked Bo Bauer and they have not, they had not finalized anything, but he's like, they better keep me on special teams. So I think Bo Bauer will be on special teams with Bertrand. The key is how your corner your backup corners and safeties perform in this because you know Houston Griffith used to be out there. How much you do you overtax Houston Griffith a little bit if he's your starting safety and now he's back on all the run teams. So I, I don't think he will be doing that as yeah, much.
0: I wouldn't do that.
2: I, I wouldn't either. The problem is can can Bracy play a role there because they also don't want to trust a ton of freshman corners. Um I, I do think that you'll see a guy like Justin Walters out there though on special yes, teams, just I would his agree. aggressiveness. Um, I mean, kick returner pulling likes Tyree, right?
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. know. I haven't heard anything contrary to that. I don't know why they wouldn't stick with him.
2: Right. Um, And then you got to hope a guy like Shane Simon can become a good, a good special teams player. Right. I mean, he has played a lot of football. He's, he's probably your number two in Marcus Freeman's words. And that means you don't get to play a lot, one A and one B. And then there's a two if people didn't read it over the weekend, Marcus Freeman said, we have one A's, we want one A's and one B's, which in this case is Leo and Bertrand and white and Bauer. And if you're a two, you don't get in as much. I really think Shane Simon's a two.
0: Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree and, with and that. And I
2: think he, he
0: well, they need them to buy in. I, I, Isaiah buy Pryor is a,
2: yeah, And Isaiah Pryor
0: is a great Isaiah Pryor yeah. is, is probably a, a, a given as well. And, you know, you mentioned the young DBs. I mean, certainly there are, I mean, I believe I count. I think there's 21 DBs on the roster, including walk-on. So some of those, you know, someone, a, someone
2: should be good at it, but they're not all going good at it.
0: No, no, but a decent portion of those guys, uh, you would think would be involved, whether it's certainly, I, I totally agree. Justin Walters, cause he's just, such, he's such a football savvy guy. The play that he made on the interception is just a guy sticking with the play. Yeah. I mean he really, he really had no business making that play but I, I never could quite see who was defending
2: It was JD Bertrand tipped Oh yeah. it was Bertrand yeah, okay was
0: Bertrand. and and um and and he was there to make a play so he's definitely on it but you know you look at a guy like maybe I don't know Jojo Johnson Philip Bra- uh, Philip Riley you know, Brian I, you mentioned, know I don't know um,
2: Estime I don't know if that ever played <laughs> out or not he mentioned him in the spring he wanted to see Estime uh Maybe just because it seems like he should be able to do anything when you see him walk out there. He's the biggest 18-year-old yeah. in the world.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's pretty special.
2: Psycho thirty-eight 48, two of you mentioned plays you saw during practice that you couldn't talk about. After the season, will be able to talk about them and review them if they were successful?
0: I don't know about you. I was referring to one particular play, just in Me fairness too. to Notre Dame. It, it, yeah, it, they it kind of asked
2: Brian Kelly didn't say don't report it. He said, hopefully we don't have a full scouting report after you guys were out yeah. there. And,
0: and and so, I mean, I feel it's completely a fair request on their part for something Agreed. like that. When they run it, if and when they run it during the season, we'll, we'll point Immediately. it out. We'll we tell won't, you this yeah, we won't. that day. Yeah. <laughs> As it happens on Twitter. <laughs> yes,
2: we will scream. That was the play. That was the
0: play. That was <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, um, I don't want to belabor this point because Pete's got to go. But remember, they kicked us out once about five years ago. Yeah, and we found out later it was the fake field goal touchdown that Kaiser threw to uh, Smike or Kaiser threw to Smike.
0: Yeah, oh, that's right.
2: Yeah, he's like, uh, that's, Virginia. Why, that, that's Virginia. why we kicked you out. Not be yeah. important. Yep, <laughs> it's pretty good. Right. <laughs> CMU pens fans and Jim underscore or Jim Booney CRS have similar questions going into the season. What is more concerning to Freeman, the secondary or the pass rush of the defensive line? And Jim Booney asked, Does Isaiah Foskey's pedestrian reports? Give you any pause on O'Malley's prediction of more QB pressures in 2021 under Freeman than Lee's 2020 defense?
0: Yeah, so in answer to the first question, secondary or pass rush, it's definitely secondary because yes. you can generate pass rushes, and, and uh, especially Freeman with what, you, you know, he likes to bring guys, uh linebackers are, are constantly crashing the line of scrimmage. I, I don't know. It, we'll see how aggressive he'll be with his secondary rushing the passer, but, um, you know, pass rush will, will get there man-to-man press coverage we need we we need to see that are you going to change your prediction for pressure no i I love
2: their pressure i love their pressure packages the only the only thing i mean a front four that can create pressure is the most valuable thing in football and they they don't necessarily have it so they'll create some pressure but those i mean i think mta and justin amiola and the interior pass rush is great and the four, four linebackers are excellent at rushing the pass, or so the four inside linebackers, man. They come down hard. Yeah. It is, people are going to like the linebackers this year.
1: Yes, I agree. I mean, the secondary to me, I talked to uh, an offensive coordinator in the AAC over the summer just about like Freeman's scheme. Like, what's it about? What do you got to be aware of? Like, what are the sort of cornerstones of it? And it was like, what's super unpredictable? Not, but not overly complicated. But one of the things that was mentioned was like the boundary corner has to be a dude. Um, at Cincinnati, a guy named Sauce Gardner, huge dude. Cam Hart, less of a dude. Um, and if that boundary corner is not a real strength of the defense, not just like a guy on the field, like one of the best players of the group. Then I, I wonder how the defense fits together. Are you, are you sort of opening yourself up for more big plays allowed? Um, and I think if there's a, I'm not sure that I, I could point to a play that a corner has made in a, in the scrimmages that we have attended.
0: I, I nothing, I, nothing jumps out of me. Yeah,
2: Racy had the pick of Pine, right? That was Pine.
0: Yeah, yes. that was in a, that was in a nickel.
2: It was in a nickel scrimmage situation. But yeah, it was a nice play. But um, I I know what you're saying, though, Pete. uh,
0: Yeah, I'm talking about the the two outside corners. Yeah, Yeah.
2: it's not to say they have made no plays. It's just like I can't remember any. Yeah. Uh, Cam Hart's my new guy that I need to see make a play before everybody keeps talking about how good he is. Yeah, I'm more,
0: you know what, to your point, Pete, I'm more confident with him on the boundary as a run defender. Yeah. Right. But I, I don't know that. We just need to see more plays. If we're going to talk about the senior wide receivers are really emerging. Generally, that means that we're not seeing the DBs making or the corners making a whole bunch of plays. But we we always have to keep in mind and everybody needs to keep in mind when we make these comments that it's just Pete. I think you said last Monday. It's just such a snippet, such an isolated portion of the practices. Yep um you know that you don't know for sure you can only go on what you see and what you think and what and what we hear and i haven't heard i did a i did a what we're hearing kind of story this morning and when i was done with it i was like i don't have anything in there about the corners well i haven't i haven't gotten any real a ton of positive feedback on it so we'll see hopefully that's just one of those unreported things that comes to fruition when uh, when the game starts Question from Denver Maximus. With Jordan Batella running 13 reps per year, reports, how concerned are you now that his availability for the opener and possibly the season may be in doubt? Can we address this? Last yeah, week? yeah,
2: he's he's a chess piece moving around, blitzing, um, part of the dollar package. Number two nickel package. Uh he's he's going not gonna be used as as Julian Aquara. He's gonna be used as one of Marcus Freeman's um Chaos creating players, I would say
1: a little more, uh, Kuromoa, a little less Oquara.
0: Well, Maybe remember, little, yeah. But, I mean, remember all that. I mean, I don't know that I completely understand the sniper position in, in Freeman's it, defense, but isn't that Batello?
2: Probably. I unless, that position does either. And yeah, I guess it is. Um, I, it's, know, only I, in package. I, it's only in packages. You're right, though. That would have to be Batello, And he made, yeah. a from, he made a play from it, too. He made a tackle for a loss from the, if that's right. the spot I, he I, made a play from. Yeah, it.
0: I think he's more valuable when you move him around because he just doesn't have a really big frame. And so yeah. when we saw in the spring when he would try to match up against Blake Fisher, although Blake Fisher's probably going to do that against most guys, he just kind of gets enveloped. I think to use Batello, you need to make him Aligned unpredictably. I
2: think Jordan Botello is a good pass rusher that doesn't line up and rush the passer off the edge very well. Does that make any sense? Yeah,
0: no, yeah and that's, that's why you he, have to move like. him. Yeah, that's why you have to move him around and and um, you know give him opportunities to find gaps with which to 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 get through, as opposed to just coming around the edge. I I agree. I ha- I haven't seen him as a real force off the edge per se, and yet. You know that he's he's a dangerous presence yeah. out there. If you can make uh, make his pre snap alignment unpredictable,
2: Ryan seven thirty nine with uncertainty at Viper and the strong depth at linebacker and defensive tackle, and Battella lining up summit linebacker. Do you think we are quietly drifting to more four, three four than four three?
0: Um, I yeah I yeah I you know I, I mean I think so especially with the versatility of MTA which you know you know, he can slide inside. Uh, well, in a four-man front, you know, he can slide inside. We've even been impressed with what he's shown coming off the edge. I, I, I mean, I think that that's, a. I think that's a, a, a natural thing to consider and to wonder, but I still think that a four-man front is going to be very prevalent for Notre defense. This is
1: uh, to me, like, we're all like stat geeks here. Like this is going to be one of the fun things to track about. Yeah. Like, how Will much you
0: track that for us, Pete?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. No problem. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. You can buy me a few beers at Stanford.
0: Okay. Um, all right. I'll look for yeah, other things.
1: Four three three four three three five. I mean, you know, is Botello playing like a middle linebacker position? I think we saw that a little bit on Saturday, like the dollar package. I mean, we heard that being talked about, or not on Saturday on Thursday of last yep. week. Um, all of that stuff is going to be really interesting to watch. It's like I don't, I don't think they're. They're probably going to be mostly in 4-3, but I just don't think they will identify themselves as like, yeah, we run a 4-3 scheme. It's just like we're doing a little bit of everything.
2: They'll identify themselves as multiple. That's what Brian Kelly yeah. will say. We're multiple. Yeah. That's our strength. We're multiple up front. Let's get this one in So, because I can already answer Pete's Terry Benedict. I see <laughs> Gold, go position by position and share whether your confidence level is higher, lower, or the same from the start of fall camp. Quarterback. Yeah. Higher. Offensive line.
1: Mm. Same. Running back, same.
2: Wide receiver. I know the answer. Higher. Uh, I don't know if tight ends counts. Tight ends. Same. Same. Uh, defensive line. Higher. Linebackers. Higher. Safeties. Higher. Because it cut me a couple plays. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Cornerbacks. Uh, Lower. Kick returner and punt returner. Please use your line. It was the funniest thing said at the practice. That was. So awesome. we were out of there on Thursday.
1: We saw Kyron Williams, Kevin Austin, Lorenzo Styles, and Salerno out there returning punts. <laughs> and I said to O'Malley, I was like, man, it's going to be incredible and Salerno beats out these other three guys for punt return So the same.
0: Don't you think that there's a great chance that? I mean, at Florida State, the one guy that's done it. Oh, yeah. It's going to be Salerno. He will be. It's be, he it's will sure. be. <laughs> yeah, it will be.
2: All right.
0: Tim and I will carry on with that question. I
2: promise, I promise but, you it's Salerno at Florida state. It's yeah. just, can they go to styles against Toledo and Purdue and then yeah, to
0: I think it's, that they would, they was would great. Like to, we look but,
2: back there, those dudes returning punts,
0: but you need to be yeah. smart in the environment that you're going into. And Salerno makes the most sense. That, I desperately want to do a fake out.
2: report that Salerno returned a punt for a touchdown. And the other three fumble. Okay. So let's
0: let's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, and Salerno goes 73 yeah. yards for a score. Um, you know what? And we're And we see, and, and we're joking, but Salerno plays slot receiver. And he he's makes, pretty well, damn he's good.
2: Receiver. I think he's a better slot
0: receiver than he is. Uh, he's, he, uh, he's very much Chris Fink-like.
2: Yeah, he, you know, he, he makes some downfield plays too. He really does. I don't think he's Chris Fink-like as a punt returner. That's the problem. That's, that's where they use him. Uh, games.
0: He's Chris Fink-like in terms of ball security, yeah. which, is, yeah. which is first and foremost. But let's go through that. Let's now you and I go through those two right. positions. So uh, again, the question, uh, share whether your confidence level is higher lower or the same uh, from when the start of fall camp began. So quarterback.
2: Mine's higher. Cause as, as everybody at Irish illustrated knows, I wasn't uh, as high on the corner. <laughs> <as there was.
0: laughs> well, yeah. And no place to go, but up with the way. Yeah. now. I, you know, I agree. Higher. I, I really liked what he did on Thursday um you know because i've been saying okay accuracy i knew how what wisconsin ran their offense there was a lot of dinking and dunking and so 70% was kind of easy uh but i really liked what we saw on thursday which makes you think that the wide receivers can maybe be even a little bit more effect- well again uh, yeah they're going to be more effective if if the the trigger man is uh, as accurate as he was thursday
2: the wide receivers were both higher right i mean we're- a, abs-
0: yeah, Just absolutely. Saying, that's
2: the absolutely. highest of the jump. Running back,
0: running backs I would say higher too because Diggs and Austin Mayer for or are for real.
2: Exactly. They have they have now if one of those guys gets hurt, they still have a third running back. If one of the three guys yeah. gets hurt.
0: How um, about tight end?
2: I mean, I guess I'm the same because I thought Michael Mayer is the best tight end in the country and it doesn't matter that I think Tackus will play less. Does that make Yeah, or, I, I irrelevant? Don't know that I don't we've,
0: know. you know, yeah. I mean, we saw more from Ballman on Thursday than we did Tackus right. and, and that's not necessarily Bauman being better, it was he was targeted a couple times. Although, I mean, he he's probably a better receiver than
2: Tackus, but Tackus is a bigger yeah. body to block out there.
0: Yeah, offensive line. You feel? How do you feel about that? I, mean, I
2: feel a little better about the offensive line than I did going in. Uh, I wrote a one of the Monday musings is where can this offensive line be? If see, I am judging the offensive line by can Notre Dame make make it through mid November as a playoff contender with the offensive line if you're just asking me is Notre Dame's offensive line good enough to be lose a game in October and lose a game in November and be 10 and two and go to a good bowl. They're definitely that good, but I want to see them reach like at least they're not going to be as good as, you know, twenty seventeen and 15, but can they get to that? Like, or even 2019, I don't think, can they get to like that 2018 where they're good? You know that that's not the strength of the team, but it's okay that it's not the strength of the team. If they can get to that, then I'd be really bullish on the year. So I, I think it's going up for
0: me. It's higher. Uh, you know, in, like in terms of linebacker, I'm up on that because of J. J. D. Bertrand's yeah. just a good player. Jack Kaiser's a good player. Drew White's a good. But I mean, th- those are. I think Maris Leafau is is on the rise. Um,
2: he might be the p- most inconsistent linebacker, Tim. That's going to make the most eye-opening place and most game-changing plays. I bet. I bet he grades worse. Than Bertrand Bauer Kaiser White Moala. and you'll be like, yeah, but Maris Leafow changed three halves of football with what he did out there, like yeah. kind of like the North Carolina game.
0: Yeah, uh, corners. I feel I feel better if Bracy's in a in a nickel role in a slot role. Uh, but that that's it. I mean, cornerback play, man to man press coverage is the and and Freeman likes to press. I mean, that's the biggest question of anything, isn't it? I,
2: yeah, I was down on them coming in, and I remain there so
0: same and it's not a compliment by me. Yeah, safety I go
2: I default to it. has got to be up cuz he makes play a couple plays, right?
0: Well, I I, I mean, no because I'm I'm going to yeah. sit for personally I'm going to say the same because Same, yeah. A Thursday semi scrimmage is not going to answer. No.
2: And you know DJ question. Brown has not really made a ton of plays or many plays at all. I think he's just kind of the, the guy they trust to be in the right spot at the right time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I did and I didn't think in the I didn't think he made a ton of plays in the spring, no. but then, you know, then the coaches came out talking very confidently about the one, two punch at the safety spot opposite Hamilton. So um, Terry Benedict, Terry Benedict asks, is the player on the defensive line with the most potential potential non-starter Riley Mills, which player has benefited the most from Marcus Freeman's defense thus far, which is Terry
2: Benedict directly stole a Monday musing today, but it was not yet published. So thank you for ruining that. Terry Benedict Riley Mills is the player with the most potential in the future for me. Yeah, basically, it's I think there's better players now, and he is going to be the best of all when it's said and done up front. Um, I, I mean, I think Mills is top of the list for benefiting right now, right? I mean, JD Bertrand's obviously benefited from
0: well, I you on. know, I would say Maris Leofow because be,
2: good point. That's I, yeah, a good
0: point. I, I mean, yeah. I would say Leofow because. You know, I, I, I think that they, all the defensive players, at least on the front seven, feel like uh, the shackles are off a little bit. And I've been hearing really good things about Maris Leofile on a daily basis. And I think that he is really ready to, really ready to blossom. Uh, third he's- year in the program. He's been through a, a lot. I mean, he got, he got a ton of experience last year, some good, some, some inconsistent. Um but I think he's the guy that really emerges there at, 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 on defense.
2: He's a real presence in those packages. He's rangy and strong yep. and moves.
0: And what he did against North Carolina was really, really impressive. Yeah, that was that a was team not effort. Even doing... <laughs> that was a team effort. But if you were going to point to one individual that day that really diffused an incredibly dynamic passing game, um, he took away the slant, and we, you know, the slant was, is significant to North Carolina. Yeah. Irish okay, case. Well, oh yeah. This is our, uh, yeah. The two questions we two asked questions. Pete, you and I will finish up with those Irish case. Oh five. What's the biggest question that has been answered for you this fall?
2: Mine is wider receiver Cause mm-hmm. I, I needed, now I've seen it. And I think, yeah, be.
0: no, my, mine yeah. as well. Am I saying that, Oh, they're going to be great. I'm not going to say that, but I think no. a healthy Kevin Austin's great. Um, I, I think a healthy Brayden Lindsay is much better. Um, yeah, I think Davis is
2: solid and even yeah, probably a little think better than last Wilkins, year.
0: I mean that's not a that's not a mirage. They're not making up what they're seeing. There's good things happening there. I don't yeah. know that he's he's more of a supplement to those other two guys. But that's
2: great. That they, 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 yeah, you need a right. supplement still. Right. Yeah.
0: You don't have nobody has you know three guys catching 65 passes.
2: Right, right. Um and then Cone would be the second one for me, but um I'm not down on Cone. I want to point out go look at my list. And the 15 guys I have ahead of him are really good at football for Notre Dame. And I don't think I move him up. How's that, everybody? Well, no, I think. (laughs) Who am I moving? I got to move someone down to move him up, right? We always say that. Everybody's like, well, you over underrated him. Well, who do I overrate then?
0: I think it's fair to do that. And and just to explain, you know, I mean, we could say, you and I could say, oh, he's going to be great. He's going to be great. He's going to be great. We could say that about everybody. Yeah. But you know that that's not going to be the case. So I think when we look at a class, or a roster or a specific position you're also looking at okay who's who's not going to emerge who's going to fail and so i mean i think i thought your pick you know where you listed cone was fair because we don't know for sure we we don't we don't know that for sure i had him higher and we'll still have him higher but i thought that that was a fair take on your part so we'll conclude with chad flanagan and that is the question, what is uh, – based on what you've seen thus far, is nine wins or 11 wins more likely?
2: Game-by-game game annual is coming out this Friday or this weekend per whatever publishing schedule Jack Freeman has planned for us. we got to get that. It's always fun. Actually, we have something to protect now, Tim. We've been doing well on that the last couple of years. It, was, yeah. it used to be like an exercise in futility trying to predict game-by-game game under Brian Kelly, but now it's getting easier. Um, I mean, I'm I definitely – Lean towards eleven if you over nine. If you asked me ten or eleven, that would be the harder answer, of course. Um, but I lean towards eleven over nine. I, I don't understand the eight and a half in Vegas. Well, I, <laughs> I don't really understand don't. it. That, I don't that, understand that,
0: it. Yeah, I mean, the eight you know, and a half that is scary.
2: Cone getting hurt is probably why that exists. Because if if Buckner's not ready, then Drew Pine. I could think
0: lose it's also games. the hundred the lost uh, one hundred forty yeah. starts on the offensive line.
2: And, and they don't know how good the defensive line is necessarily, right? The defensive they don't, running, yeah, the running. I don't
0: think they know, although, I mean, the more that we and others say it, the more that that information gets yeah. out there.
2: Five NFL defensive ends in two years left. That's what they definitely know.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with yeah. that. And I've written that a multitude of times. My answer to the 9 or 11, you know, back in the day when we, before we were with uh, 24-7, we were on a, a, a different platform. And I used to do a hundred hunches, and I love doing it. I I really enjoyed doing it. I almost was run out of the business doing my hundred hunches. I
2: remember you lamenting it often when we were across. Yeah, because you
0: because you do it, and you can do it now. But I I can't do a (laughs) hundred hunches anymore through the summer. So uh, hell with that. But anyway, my point being (laughs) that one of the hundred hunches was, I think this is going to be their record, and I think they're more likely to be this than like if I said. I think their record's going to be ten and two. It's more likely they're going to be eleven and one than nine and three. I would always do one of those. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and I and I'm with you. I think, it, although that eight and a half line does scare me, but I do think that they're more likely to be eleven and one than nine and three. I wouldn't be shocked if they were nine and three, but that would probably mean, you know, the stretch of five, the middle five games. That would either that would mean either they lose three of those five, yeah, or lose two of those five and get upset. By By five. See, I think the the only way,
2: the only way they go under eight and a half is losing to Florida State, and they're just a lot better than Florida. You know, the Florida State line keeps going down too. It's down to eight.
0: Yeah, that's
2: some fool's gold right there, man. That's crazy. I am. People are wrong about that. Notre much better football team right now than Florida State. It's. It's get out of the second quarter tied and you'll win by 17 points
0: but we don't know the impact they brought in a ton of of transfers yeah they play did right they could, away maybe and, their
2: culture got better because i mean i always point out
0: the two defensive ends but there are others i would have to look and, and see exactly this but i know that there are others the thing with florida state was their defense was horrendous last year so they've got it they've they have to make a huge step up their running game was very good, and that probably yeah. won't change, and that's the foundation for a, a start of things. I've heard some things about the the UCF grad transfer quarterback not being completely healthy. Did you?
2: Yeah, I did. That's. I mean, that's been out there. I think there's a little hush-hush on what's going on with the quarterback at Florida State, but we will know uh, when we do our insider's we did, we had a, you know, a camp update, but I think it's kind of, right. of what's going there, but we'll, well have an insider I mean, preview, a, obviously. I'm
0: this week. pretty excited because I, I enjoy really evaluating the opponents and it's, uh, at the end of this week, it's time for me to really turn my right. attention to Florida State and where they are. So we'll get a better idea of that. Um, don't compliment
2: that. Don't compliment them on the website though, because people cannot imagine they have anybody <laughs> that can play. Remember that there's
0: just... yes. Only Notre Dame can be good. Right. at times. I know Florida state's been bad, but they're not going to stay down there forever. And I, and I think Norvell is a decent coach and in the influx of talent can, can shake them up a little bit. So anyway, more to talk about, we will, uh, we will be going to two podcasts per week during the season, the Monday, Thursday, Uh, when we come out of Florida state, it will not be on Monday because the game's on Sunday. So that, that podcast will come on, we'll go on Tuesday and will we do Friday that week? jack because the game's on sunday we'll we'll let you know about that but anyway um just to let i know people have been saying more podcasts we were doing two podcasts from like august of last year through the end of spring and then they'll be
2: they'll be 24 in a 12 week 25 and a 13 week span
0: so plenty commentary plenty commentary we appreciate you joining us here today for irish illustrated insider talk to you next time